Wake up, wake up, wake up, and stay woke. Because this is the Ball Hog Sports Talk with your boy, B. Brown, ESQ, a.k.a. the Ball Hog, a.k.a. the Mouth of the South. This is the place where sports, business, and entertainment collide. And we're going to give it to you rough, rugged, and raw. So come get you a spoonful, like some grits with butter and salt. You know how we do it in the South, y'all. Make sure you do not get caught in your feelings. Strap on your seatbelt and enjoy the ride. Come on, let's go, go, go. What's up? What's up? What is up? You know what it is. It's the Ball Hog Sports Talk with your boy, B. Brown, ESQ, a.k.a. the Ball Hog, a.k.a. the Mouth of the South, a.k.a. Mr. Excessive Celebration. We are in the building, y'all. It is a brand new month. Spring is starting. Uh, the weather has been terrible up here in New Jersey, but it's finally, finally starting to feel a little bit like spring. So hopefully you've gotten all your April Fool's jokes out of the way, and now you're ready for some rough, rugged, and raw sports, business, and entertainment discussion. It's the Ball Hog Sports Talk. You know how we do it. Every week we ask you humbly, please like, please comment, please share, tag a friend, tag a foe, tag anybody that you know. And if you're listening to us in the podcast world, please, please, please subscribe and tell other friends to subscribe. With no further ado, today we're going to get in, y'all. Today's topic is Sports 101. Because this is the 101st show. Let me see if I said that right. 101st. Yeah, yeah. 101st show. 101, y'all. So we're going to get back to some basics. So strap on your seatbelt and enjoy the ride, as we always say at the Ball Hog Sports Talk. Um, we're going to get in with our first uh, uh, segment that we normally do, three and a possible. But uh, we are going to have a little different mix today. Uh, we're going to welcome a special guest host today. Uh, our girl, Miss Majestic Maya, uh, went and had surgery, and so we wish her well, and uh, hoping that she is, is going to be on the road to recovery. We have a special guest host today, uh, and he's going to be in the mix and going to hop right in. So if you are, are what's up, Miss Meredith Benson? I got to give her, her, what's up, how you doing? I got to give you a proper due before we hop right in. I want to make sure everyone knows who you are, not only Meredith Benson by name, but I gotta give you, you know, some 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 other descriptions. Uh, she is a sport and social impact professional, and we might not all act professional throughout the show because we're gonna act a little ignorant too. But she is a sport and social impact professional. She's a strategist at Athletes Voices, uh, senior impact officer for sport equity and social justice uh, at Champions for Philanthropy. Uh, she's a leader of Why We Can't Wait campaign at. Uh, champions for philanthropy and a uh, really dynamic 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 young lady uh i didn't realize her and big flow go way 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 back um uh, because like she came to the cadillac like like flats on a cadillac <laughs> what's up miss mary business how you doing i'm doing well thank you for having me i'm excited to be here so nice to be in the space and be here with you guys and talking about sports today you know, let's, we'll, let's welcome, right welcome 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 yeah, Meredith and I, some we figured out that we were at Notre Dame for a year together, which is just crazy. Yeah, yeah, that that yeah. is long. long and that time was not intended. And <laughs> this is just a coincidence. <laughs> it just kind of happened to work out that way. So, for yeah. those, um, we're not yeah. on Notre Dame show. 
That means that it was meant to be. It all comes meant back. To be. Like, the universe brings it all back together. Uh, <laughs> and I will say at the outset, I see my girl, Miss Majestic Maya, saying, hey, guys, we wish you nothing but a speedy recovery. Uh, so get better, get better. And we're going to hop in. Three and a possible is like a pretty average spades hand. But uh, for us. For you, for you, that's a Boston. But go that's ahead. A bo yeah, I'll make it work, baby. <laughs> I'll make it work. Um, but we'll, we, we'll figure it out um, in terms of the content today, three and a possible is going to be some good stuff. We're going to hop right in with our first topic from three and a possible um, is none other than my man, straight hand. It was the gap. We, when, you, when you talk about closing the gap, normally you're talking about the closing the wealth gap, closing the educational gap. But Strahan got the whole world talking about closing his gap. He, uh, he's got the infamous gap, and he closed it, so we thought. But then we found out late last night there was an April Fool's joke. Have y'all seen any gap in anybody's mouth talked about more than we've heard Strahan over the last 24 to 48 hours and talking about the gap in his mouth? Pretty interesting. I think he should just go ahead and keep it. Look, I look, them teeth, the straight teeth look, look, like, it look like normal, man. When they got the close up, when they put the whole thing in his mouth and they started messing with it, realized how how bad his gap was because he he has a primary gap and then he got like a uh, auxiliary gap that's going on over here. Man, go on, let it fix up, man. You but, fix that thing up. Like yeah, that's his that's his signature. You know, you don't want to mess with that. Keep yeah, it. you say you say he should keep it. I think he went with keeping it because he said his mama told him to be proud of his gap. I do think for all of those people around the world that have issues um with their 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 teeth strahan is like their michael jordan i mean he's on good morning america he's on he's a media darling with a big old field goal post right in the middle of his mug but it messes he up is the their michael talks. jordan like he, you can hear the gap in his in his speech <laughs> <laughs> he gotta you know if he's on the podcast they'd be like that boy got a gap don't he yeah Can't, you know his tongue gets stuck i don't know he must have felt like he got freed from prison when he put those teeth in there. So I'm I'm well, glad it was an April Fool's. Go ahead. Go ahead, Meredith. You no, know, say it was an April Fool's joke, so that's cool. But you know, we like him with the gap. I think he's sexy anyway. Really? That's saying something right there. What makes him sexy? I'm I'm interested because I, I maybe I'll go create a gap in my own mouth. What makes him sexy? <laughs> <laughs> he's a knowledgeable guy, he's smart, he's intelligent, you know, he um he knows what he's talking about. He's he's um he's empathetic too, you know what I'm saying? So he talks with um confidence, but he's you know he's really thoughtful um as a commentator. So you know that makes him sexy. I like it, man. A, se a sexy man with a gap. It's like the whole I'm telling you, he's the Michael Jordan of people that have issues with something in their mouth. Is that like a bow-legged woman? No, I mean bow-legged bow -legged okay. woman. Hmm, I like that. Uh, okay, I don't know what from an image standpoint, I don't know where you just took know. me. But yeah, I'm not going. I forgot. This is a family show. Let me stop it's going. A family man. show, man. It's a family show. All right. So now that we've gotten over closing the gap, which he really didn't close, let's get into some some family business, man. Because the Greek freak is not only uh, the I can never say their last name. Anten Kompupo. I ain't messing with that. Antikapatapalopoulos. You all that? Yeah, you got all them letters. I ain't messing with. I told you, I'm from the south. We don't do all them syllables and all that stuff, man. So. I call him the Greek freak, but that's like a ten thousand word Scrabble uh, straight up, word, right? <laughs> straight up. Whoever came up with Greek points. Freak is real twenty-nine man. points for one name. <laughs> one name, one name. Uh, but he wasn't the only uh, person with his last name on the court because there were three brothers on the court at the same time this week uh, when the Lakers 
played the Bucks. Uh, you know, his brother plays with him, but then they've got a third brother that plays for the Lakers. Uh, the Bucks won, but I think their family is the real winner there. And the Greek freak said it might be to him the best NBA moment he's ever had. For 52 seconds, all three of them were on the court. What do y'all think about it? I thought it was awesome, to be honest with you. I mean, to, to be able to get on the, the court with your brothers like that, you think about how many times growing up you mess around and you guys, you know, playing around, imagining this, and you're in the NBA game, there's only 10 people on the court, 30% of them are from the same house. I think that's awesome. That's a win for the parents. That's a win. It is. For, for three brothers to be able to play at that same level of basketball, that's outstanding. Yeah. I, I Look, man, my, my son, I've got two sons, and they both play. And I, you know, I got teary eyed just thinking of it, man, that they might one day be on the court at the same time. So I know that family's got to be beaming with pride, man. Uh, shout out to them. Uh, I think the Greek Freak's the only one that we, uh, well, you know, they, I ain't going to call the other two brothers sorry because they make the NBA, you got to <laughs> be good. But, you know, the Greek Freak is the one that stands out, of course, the one that we talk about. But uh, shout out to that family, the Antikapupu Akapupu family. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> The alphabet. <laughs> good job, good job, good job. Yeah, that was a perfect pronunciation. Uh, <laughs> another family moment this week, uh, Kobe's daughter got in the USC, and uh, I go from joking about the, the, the Greek freak and his brothers to just taking a moment to, to shout out that family, man. Um, you know, Vanessa says, Daddy would be so proud, and it was, it was really good moment for them. I'm happy. She's got some USC sneakers that Vanessa got made for, some USC Nikes that were uh, specialized for. But any success that that family has after that tragedy uh, just over a year ago, you got to celebrate. I, it was a great moment to see. It is beautiful. You know? Yeah. I was just going to say that USC was kind of uh, Kobe's adopted college. So for her to be able to, you know, be a student there is just just love. It's just, you know, amazing feeling for her and I'm sure for her family as well. So yeah, um, yeah father's man. legacy. You know, I think it's just an example of, you know, life goes on and it needs to go on, you know, and you yeah. know, great things, great moments are still ahead. The fact that you can still find excitement and enjoyment like that is great. So Absolutely. she didn't realize his daughter was that old, you know, um, and I just sent my, my son to USC real quick, see if he can't come up. <laughs> You know, she signed a modeling uh, agreement too, as well. So she's gonna be out there. Yeah, somebody, somebody gonna be trying to swoop her up. He might not be so happy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. You're gonna look down at heaven, like you know, hey, come on, bro. Nah, nah, nah. Yeah, we'll be talking to my daughter. I, I think too many brothers gonna be intimidated. I don't think they're gonna just swoop in like that. I, I, don't, I don't see that. I no, imagine hey, she's... those athletes they shoot, they're gonna shoot the shot right away. She might, <laughs> she might not make it to campus. I imagine she's uber confident, though. All yeah. of his daughters probably uber confident because mama mentality, I imagine, was discussed at the dinner table, too, man. Uh, so congratulations to her. Hopefully, I don't know if she's going to continue to play. I think she's a volleyball player, but I don't think she's going to continue to play volleyball. But great, great story. Love to see the success. Happy for that family. All right, Patrick Mahomes talking about the family. Patrick Mahomes is showing up for the family, baby. He's invited to the barbecue because Patrick Mahomes has now decided to put his money where his mouth is, and he's putting his money up for what is going to be called the HBCU Legacy Bowl. It won't be played this year, uh, and I say this year because a lot of the HBCUs are playing in the spring, but they're going to wait till the fall, and it's basically going to be for all of the NFL-ready, NFL-aspiring uh, HBCU players going to play in this Legacy Bowl, and Patrick Mahomes is putting his money up and partnering with HBCUs. I thought that was great. Good for you, uh, Patrick Mahomes. Team Light Skin showed up for the brothers. I like it, Patrick Mahomes. I, I like thought it was a great team. story. 
I think the trend is fantastic. I mean, if you really think about, you know, people protesting and, and having problems doing whatever, I think the trend over the last year, at least a couple of years, has been you know, people putting their money where their mouth is, putting their fame where their mouth is, and and making sure that, uh, you know, people are, are benefiting from it. So going to these HBCUs, we've been people say, hey, let's send your kids there. Let's do this. Let's do that. For him to do this and try to add some shine, some light, it's going to make it really viable between this and the Dion stuff. I think right. it's a great trend. Yeah. yeah, I think um, HBCUs um, have long anticipated this kind of move. And I think the NFL in particular have been talking about um, engaging with HBCUs. And I think this is more than just like, oh, let me have a football camp or let me, you know, ha have you some shine over this way. But this is really about building capacity. And I think that's the most important thing for um, HBCU sports is to um, have somebody like Pat come in and try to build capacity for the universities. Yeah. And, and, you know, it has already been reported that Patrick Mahomes is saying he's trying to build a business empire. It's a great way to do it. I think Dion showed uh, that there's a lot of opportunity in HBCU sports. And I think that this trend is going to continue. I love it. I, I <clears throat> love it. I absolutely love it. So Patrick Mahomes, you are invited, baby, to the barbecue. Uh, not that he wasn't before, but he submitted <laughs> his invitation. Get um, some extra potato salad. Now you can come <laughs> empty handed. You can just show up. You can just show up. You just show up. Uh, uh, in another story that is the exact opposite uh, outcome, there are going to be a whole bunch of people not invited to each other's uh, barbecue or to each other's family dinner. Kevin Durant and Michael Rappaport. This beef, first of all, doesn't make sense, but none of KD's social media beefs make sense. But with Michael Rappaport, absolutely doesn't make sense. Um, but it has taken center stage in terms of the beef uh, that exists in sports. KD and Michael Rappaport, if, for those of you who don't know the story, Kevin Durant, uh, in the latest saga of him having a social media war, got into a, a, an interesting exchange in Michael Rappaport's DMs. Uh, you would think that that story is, as described right there, that would be the height of its ridiculousness. But it's not, because why is KD in Michael Rappaport's DMs? I don't know. But when he, <laughs> Michael Rappaport made the DMs, public uh there was a whole bunch of hate up in there and they were going back and forth he was talking about um putting people's genitalia in and man my, it was a lot going on in there talked about his wife his wife his, his need for son uh yeah he, 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 he <laughs> oh, came man. this close though he came about this close when he yeah. when he started talking i was like please don't go too far you're about to yeah. kill yourself when he called him pale it could have got a lot worse but yeah he did he almost saved it because he just said you needed some sun so it didn't sound like I, it sounded like he was just at the his toes were at the line <laughs> but he but he stayed he went it's the three still counts he sat behind the, the, the line before but he got a little close to it to me but what I mean, Michael Rappaport, why are you why are you arguing with Michael Rappaport? Like, but it seems like they have a history, like they're friends, like they do things together. Michael, uh, you know, Kevin Durant got him tickets to you know basketball games. So it seems like they have this banter that's going back and forth that's long standing. So I think this is just some some banter that just went off the rails. Yeah, but I, I, I'll say this. I think they both KD, you violated because you shouldn't be in no man DMs anyway. <laughs> and, and why are you having these doggone social media wars? But Michael Rappaport violated too. If I, if you and I have that relationship, you know, so it's, I say some things about Big Flo that Big Flo better not make public because <laughs> it, it, that's just that's just how we got. That's our relationship. I thought right. Michael Rappaport violated too. They both in violation. They if both, you are, if you 
if you engage me in a fight in Twitter, in 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 the DM, Twitter, whatever, if you're engaging it, if I'm just attacking you out of nowhere, it's one thing. But if you're going back and forth with me, we have a problem. To make it public is terrible, right? Yeah. But I you know, do, I I say, is it just me or, or, or would you like to see a versus uh, with Donald Trump and KD on Twitter? <laughs> oh, who yeah. could be more petty? That'd be a great versus. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, man. I'm all into the verses, so I would love to see that. No, you pointed out several times that KD has challenges with his, let's call it with his hair and the way that it lays on his head. Mm -hmm. uh, but for some reason, he's not addressing that. He's just addressing anybody and everybody that says anything about him on social media. Like, KD, come on, bro. Mm -hmm. you know, yeah, he but, is, you know, KD, but KD is coming under fire because some of his, you know, views or what he said was seems to be you know misogynistic and homophobic yeah. and so you know you know the the nets are you know talking to him saying you know you gotta you know, gotta quiet that you can't do that so i think that's where we have the rub right is that um his comments even though it was banter that was back and forth with him and michael rapaport you know um those views right now are unacceptable michael yeah. rapaport look man you get and he was king um he was the king of making fun of trump but Michael Rappaport also sort of sort of always invited to the barbecue for the most part because of his views on, on social issues. But you can't be snitching, dog. Snitches get stitches. <laughs> I was just snitching at his finest. You're gonna show me that man DMs. Yeah, but it's interesting, uh while ridiculous, very interesting. And I agree, Meredith, that, uh, you know, the the Nets talking to Kevin Durant and the NBA looking to this is probably going to cost Kevin Durant more than the embarrassment of the words being made public. He probably got to write a check. Probably Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, one thing with Durant, he's never been a, a darling to anybody. So it's not like he's messing up. A, a, because a he's nourishing his, 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 his image. His image has been bad. No one's ever liked, you know, people who like him just like his game, but nobody ever liked him. So it's like, all right, whatever. This right. is par for the course. Yeah. Anybody whose hair grain is like that definitely uses words or not. Especially acceptable. Meredith, uh, I'll just tell you, Big Flo has been consistent on that man's hair grain. <laughs> you know your hair bad when bald-headed bald folks got things to say about you. I'm supposed to envy whatever you got, but I can't do it. It's distracting. I can't enjoy your game. I wish no, you would wear a hat, a scully or something when he hoops. Right. <laughs> on the court where it's coming well even a flat brim i don't care whatever you got to do just come out there cover that hair grain up man <laughs> all right uh not gonna be you crazy man um in better news uh, and and it really connects back to sort of this the hbcu and their their athletic offerings the ncaa track and field programs we talked last week about clemson needing to cancel their men's track program but uh, North Carolina A&T, which has built quite the track program. Uh, mm -hmm. They have the fastest 4 by 4 <clears throat> meter, 4 by 400 meter relay time in the world. And there it is right there at an HBCU. Um, they built the program, uh, it seemed to me, out of thin air. But they've got a, quite a program. West Texas A&M, uh, that runner broke the Division 200 meter dash. And so there's all of this talent that seems to be uh, gravitating towards HBCUs when it comes to track and field, which is really interesting because at the same time, these PWIs, these, uh, you know, the, the, these, you know, major conference teams like Clemson are cutting track and field. I thought it was a great story to see that they have the fastest time in the entire world. As somebody who ran track and field all through being a kid in high school and college um, at Clackland University, this is uh, amazing for us to watch the Aggies do this kind of work and to see them, um, you know, just be this prolific is just amazing to watch and exciting. 
Yep, absolutely. And you, the good thing, too, is like the risk isn't there as far as, you know, people get worried about football or basketball going to HBCU and think they can't make it to the next level. But the track is all about that stopwatch, right? Mm-hmm. So if you hit that time, you hit that time, you know. Um, I am surprised that the, with HBCUs, is it D1 and D2? Mm-hmm. Uh, when it comes to track, yeah. oh, so yeah. there's, there's two different levels. Okay, because you wonder why the dude is D two. If he's running, the, he break the the record for D two. You think the man maybe he should have went D one, right? Yeah. It's all about it's all about where you get recruited, right? So he yeah. accepted a scholarship there, and um, you know now he's just proven that he could have ran track any place. So yeah. I'm, I'm sure he might have some other schools saying, you know, hey, you want to transfer and come over here? So you know that could be um, in conversation as well. Yeah, yeah, no, and I think he broke the Ghana record for 100 meter as well. So I mean, he's gonna have seven or something. Yeah, he's gonna have uh, several opportunities, professional opportunities to continue Mm -hmm. track and field. But I do love seeing that. um, You know, look, man, you can run like you said, uh, Big Flow. It's the most objective standard in all sports. I don't. We argue about the goat all the time in basketball, and the reason we can argue all the time because it's so subjective. What do you Mm -hmm. like? You like defense. You like. A signature shot. Do you like championships? But when it comes to that dog on good old track and field, right? It's the clock. It's a clock. Yeah, yep. it's straight up the clock. Um, something that is not very objective, it has become more and more subjective, is our handling of this Deshaun Watson case or cases. Up to 21 now, but then there are 18 women, 18 masseuses. How you say the plural? Mrs. Masseuses, or whatever it's called, about a whole bunch of a whole bunch of people who gave him a massage. Eighteen of them came out and said that he was nothing but professional. That they had given him a massage, and so it just seems weird that although they are defending him, like if my math, my back of the envelope math is right, that's like forty different women that have given him a massage. It's like. I know variety is the spice of life, but usually when you find a masseuse like that does what you need the masseuse to do, then you're done. I don't know. Is he addicted? Is it a weird addiction? I I, I don't. This the whole story is messed up, and it's probably gonna continue to build because the attorney don't seem to be going nowhere. And you know we are a litigious community that people want that bread, and they want that bread, dog. They line up in in civil courts. I mean, I'm I'm not. There's a one lady. I didn't read all the stuff as far as the the cases. There was the one lady that said that you know there was a force of oral sex. But to me, most of the complaints seemed like they were more rude than they were criminal, right? And so, um, I do think there's there's something behind it. I mean, I I can't tell you that because I don't do something that that, that means it's weird. But right. a massage therapist, you know, you want to go to a chiropractic massage, you find one you like and you get it. Either he's the pickiest man in the world, or he's just something else to it for him. You don't yeah. 40 different massage therapists is just explain that to me. I mean, who, who seems, wants to that? That seems excessive. But I mean, you know, the other part of this is, you know, Deshaun Watson wanted to leave out of Houston for a long time. Right. So I think there's some kind of contention, you know, is did he know this was brewing? Is that part of the reason why he wanted out of Texas? So, I mean, I think there's a there's a lot of different reasons why this story now is becoming something that's being elevated. Right. Uh, look, man. <laughs> For those of y'all listening to us in the podcast world, I have to share one of the comments that was just posted. <laughs> My man, what up, Scott Bibb, says it's a 21 to, it's, it's, it's 21 to 18. Watson needs a field goal to tie. <laughs> By 21 to 18, he means 21 women now have filed claims in civil court saying that he treated them inappropriately. 18 women have come out publicly and said that. 
<laughs> that he did, he did not uh, treat them inappropriately. Uh, all of it, man, just seems crazy, man. The story. Just, I know one thing: crazy, nobody crazy. coming to massage him no more. That's dead. No, I know. No, That's no. dead. That's dead. He got, he got his last massage. Go, a dude, to shop dude might come over there, but he's dead for. Well, man, coming over there, it's dead. Uh, I, I, I we joke because it is crazy and it's laughable, but I, I hope he gets through this. Uh, uh, I hope it's say, not un, unharmed. Um, Hopefully, it's not and, true. Yeah, but I hope it's not true. And uh, look, if it is true, then. Um, uh, I, I do hope that the women that were violated, if that is the case, that's what they're saying, um, are are doing okay mentally. Uh, I, I there are there are no criminal charges, so this is all civil court stuff. It's all about the money, all about the Benjamins. But uh, I would say, here's my free advice: since it's all about the Benjamins, don't get no more massages, dog. Just go ahead and be stiff, Just be, be tight, do whatever, be sore. Get one of those massage chairs or something. Right. You get you. <laughs> Go to Sharper Image to get, <coughs> get you right. thousand dollars, get a massage, get a whirlpool, some cryogenics. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, uh, and you know the Houston Police Department already said there's been no evidence against Watson, so I, this will not reach criminal level. But at the same time, things can be inappropriate, not necessarily criminal. So I don't want to make light. If these women uh, indeed were mistreated uh, or treated inappropriately, then um, you know we, we shall see. We, we, we absolutely shall see because this story ain't going nowhere. Another story that ain't going nowhere is Georgia. Georgia. Mm. I wanted to sing it so bad. Like, y'all have no idea how I <laughs> planned to sing it. I practiced all morning, but it wasn't working out. I got to sip on my tea in order to get my voice right. But Georgia and their voting restrictions is now, it's encroaching on the sports world because uh, all of the, the, the companies that came out and spoke against uh, the, the new restrictive rules that uh, Governor Kemp signed into law um, uh, has now sparked an interest in the sports world as well. Some of those same companies are, like you know, title sponsors of, of teams and of arenas, of, of stadiums. Um, but now they're saying that, you know, they, 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 they want to reconsider the Masters being played in Augusta. Georgia is under attack because of this law uh, that has put voters under attack. I don't know if you guys read some of these stories, but, you know, look, man, the sports world, it's, it's a whole new world when it comes to sports figures and people speaking up for what's right. And I'm glad to see that not only the companies, but these figures, these, these different, um, uh, uh, you know, whether it be on television, whether it be administrators in front office, people are saying, look, it's wrong. And, you know, threatening to take uh, tournaments away from Georgia, it's, it's, it, has, it, it has really snowballed into a really big deal. Yeah, it definitely looks like a um, backlash from or re retaliation for what happened with Stacey Abrams and the state of Georgia and how even like the Atlanta dream was able to impact what happened um, in that state. And so um, I, I just feel like, you know, teams are trying to do the right thing. But even the companies that are involved, you know, some of them have been, you know, talked about this issue prior to the law going forward. So some people are feeling like the companies who are now, you know, against it could have done more prior to the. the prior to the ruling. So I will, I think this conversation will be um, in the media for quite some time. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause you know, again, we're cancel culture, so we'll cancel the state if we have to, we'll do what we have to go do. So, you know, first I will <clears throat> point out 
people are trying to tell the masters not to go there. Masters ain't they're not threatening nothing because the masters is like shit. <laughs> <laughs> they call it the masters, right? It's called the yeah, it's at the same thing, it's the same course all the time. We don't move around. Um, it's interesting because Cobb County mayor is like, look, we, we're not with this law. We're against this law. Don't hurt us. You know what I mean? Please don't, please don't take this game away from us. So that's kind of an interesting, you know, thing because they, you know, obviously if the county's against it, they they voted against it, but they couldn't stop, it, right? And they're gonna have to suffer the most. Uh, because of it, I guess the game has been playing Cobb County. So I don't know. It's interesting. I think that, um, you know, everyone this voting lie. Whatever happened was was not proven to be there. And now they're making laws to try to you know, stop something that never happened. So I don't know. It's, it's it's crazy. But, hey, everyone's voting now. I think everyone's speaking up with their wallets. And I think that's the way things should work in the that's capitalist when, if, you hit, if you hit smart in their wallet, they listen. But if we were ever going to ban Georgia, we should have banned Georgia after the doggone Atlanta Falcons was up 28-3 to and lost <laughs> that game to the doggone Patriots. That's when we should have banned anything Georgia. Or yeah. when University of Georgia had Alabama beat. They had them beat. They all they had to do was finish the game. And they couldn't do that. A tour came in as a freshman and came in. So if we was going to ban Georgia, we should have banned them for that. Um, but I do love seeing – that's a joke. I do love seeing that people are saying right is right and wrong is wrong. So um, if, if, if you want to host the MLB All-Star Game, if you want us to come to your state and spend our money, then start acting like we matter. And so we as a, a human race, that we matter. Because these voters are just a microcosm of our communities across the country. So – uh, get it right, Georgia, and I'm gonna try to get it right so I can sing Georgia, Georgia. <laughs> I'm gonna sing it next time. I'm gonna, Please I'm get it right, y'all. So you know. <laughs> I was gonna talk about in, in the story that I decided not to talk about. Lil Nas X. I'm not doing it because that whole thing and now Nike's involved. Sometimes you just gotta punt. I punted on this one. I let y'all just get a quick word in, but this story is so weird to me. I thought they were satin shoes. They were Satan shoes. And I, I just, it can't get some house, you those house slippers. <laughs> what is going on with music? I mean, I don't so know. So here's the thing. So my son told me about this yesterday, right? I, you know, my son tells me about a lot of things that just are silly teenage uh, rumors. There is no shoe out there that's Satan shoes from Nike with blood in it. Go on talking to me about this. He's like, I'm telling you, Dad. So when I read it, I'm like, you got to be kidding me. But this is why I will say this when it comes to media and headlines. And this is why I feel bad for Nike. Every headline you read talks about these Nikes, but they never clarify unless you read the story that Nike's not involved in any way, shape, or form, and they're against it. And so in this headline society, clickbait society, I feel bad for Nike. They There was a law, even in the, in the article that says that there's a lawsuit um, that was trying to ban it. They didn't say Nike made the lawsuit. They don't even give him credit for that. So if you don't read the story, you will think Nike's there. People threatening to ban it. The UFC fighter said he's burning his Nikes. Um, all these people getting killing Nike. Nike's like, listen, we're suing. We have nothing to do with this. You know, you yeah. feel Cease bad. And Trevor Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence can't sunshine. When you got sunshine against you, you bad. I mean, that's sunshine. I was like, man, Nike, you don't ruined everything. All the cap stuff, you've ruined it now. What's going on? I read 90% through the story. Oh, Nike's against it. Oh, well, damn, it took that long. So right. shout out to Nike, man. I had to say that. Yeah, Nike, uh, look, I don't feel bad for you because if Deshaun Watson going to get dra drugged into the mud with no proof, Nike get drugged in the mud too. Drag them all in the mud. Uh, but it is crazy that you're talking about one drop of blood. So, um, uh, I, 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 look, look, little Nas X. Uh, I mean, that's a long rapper name too. Can we just come up with something like, just be X, be Lil, be Nas. Well, you got to be all of them, Lil Nas X. Um, I don't know what you got going on over there, man, but I thought they were satin shoes. They Satan shoes. 
But definitely, there's there's definitely a, a market for them because they're sold out. So somebody somebody wants two hundred shoes sold out. The other ones they, they have a Nike's got you stock the other ones. You made six hundred and sixty. Some things you just don't play with. I don't go in the mirror and say Candyman five times. <laughs> I'm not messing with six six six. But Lil Nas X, I guess. Hey man, you do what you do, my brother. The same company that pushed it though, they had some holy water shoes. From the right. from the River Jordan, they they put out last year, so they just take money what? from whoever. <laughs> hey, Jesus, devil, we don't, we don't discriminate. Yeah. It take whatever. Yeah. That's gonna be that's gonna be Kanye. He gonna hop on those. Jesus walks. <laughs> he gonna have holy. <laughs> right. Jesus walks. Jesus walks. Uh, my man, uh, Draymond Green. A story that I'm not gonna run from because Draymond's a love to talk, man. Draymond Green in the month of March, which is your know, Women's History Month. Draymond Green had the nerve to say, women, y'all just be quiet. Stop complaining about the inequities in sports. And, uh, you know, look, man, look, Draymond, after saying he's the best defender of all times, uh, I ain't got no defense on for you on this one, brother. In the month of March, can you just, you know, now we're in April, but he made this statement in Women's History Month that women just be quiet. Don't say nothing about the inequality in sports. Draymond, boy, you the gift to keep giving because your gaffes are unlimited, man. Why would Draymond say a thing like that? I got to go to you first on this one, Meredith, because, you know, Draymond told you to be quiet. What you think? How dare you talk about the inequality in sports? <laughs> well, I mean, in reading his, his commentary on it, I think what he was trying to get at was, you know, there must be a different strategy that you can use um, in this conversation about pay equity. And so the women who have been fighting about pay equity, like we have done everything you said and how dare you basically um, make us the guilty party in a situation where pay equity is not coming from us, right? So you're making us have to do the work of trying to figure figure things out and, and making us the, the bad guy in a situation. So, you know, on one hand, I think he was trying to talk about what are some strategies you can use for this, but the way it came across was that he was really um, antagonizing and acting as if the women who have been fighting this fight haven't done all they can to bring light to their attention and make right. some changes in how women are paid um, in professional sports. Big flow. Normally, I would go to you, but be quiet. I don't want to hear your mouth on this pay equity thing. I, I'm, I'm going to return the favor. How about that? How it's you not like about that? revenue. It's not about revenue. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you, well, I, I'm joking, of course. What Last word you get, man. Just real quick. Question. I mean, I do think that the, that the statement was taken from the, you know, it wasn't fully thought through um, on his side because, you know, he needs to do the research. You know, have these women been sitting on their hands and just doing nothing and, and just complaining? You know, he's saying do something about it, fight. So I get where he's coming from. Like he's he's saying call these people out for all the things that they are doing wrong. Call them out. I get where he was trying to go, but at least do the research and talk to people and find out that they've been doing it. Because now you make it seem like, oh, thank you, Draymond. Right. We never would have thought yeah, to call anybody out that. if it wasn't for you. You're a genius. <laughs> Appreciate that. You know what I mean? So it all kind of got misconstrued. And the soccer player, I can't remember her name. Um, she she was real diplomatic about it. The way she came out, she's like, listen, you know what? We have been doing those things. We have been doing this thing. She stayed calm with it. And I, I just like somebody who can kind of point you out your stupidity and keep it civil so it doesn't turn into a rap report situation. Raponi is the one who normally uh, – yeah, and it yes, was, Megan Raponi. Uh, mm -hmm. I will say this because as a father to a student athlete, female student athlete, um, what do you – when you hear something like that, right, because your daughter goes to practice just like your son goes to practice. Your mm -hmm. daughter puts in the time just like your son puts in the time. I, I don't know this for a fact, but I know your daughter plays volleyball. I don't know if she aspires to get a, a scholarship, but I imagine, you know, you're a, a competitor, mm -hmm. right? And so when you hear someone like Draymond Green with such a platform, use it to to sort of 
uh, make a mockery of all of the, the the work that's been done by women for generations, not just this generation, right? We give credit to the women that have put in work uh, publicly on social media, but there have been generations of women that have talked about this, you know, uh, several, several generations of women um, that have pointed out this. Uh, I imagine as a dad, that kind of makes a sort of a, a, a gut punch. You know, in general, I, I think Draymond is a guy who speaks first and thinks second, you know, and I, I don't think... I think he thought he was saying, come on, women, let's fight. I think that's what he thought he was saying, right. not putting enough thought into it or whatever. Um, there are some points to to it, like like fight, you know, not to say that the women haven't been fighting, but like this is a fight that can be that can be fixed, I think. And it's getting it's going to get better. I watch. Yeah. This is the first year. This time next year, we'll be talking about, man, can you believe how far things have come? This is how it starts. You bring it up and complaining is what you do. You have to point it out. You have to post pictures. People say, wow. Look at the, the basketball. They say the ratings for the basketballs have gone up, right? The games, right. people are paying attention. Right. You know, this is how it starts, and it'll get fixed. And I think that the women, the pioneers, are going to go back and say, you know, we fought for y'all and we did this. So, you know, even Draymond's stupid comment is part of the struggle because now people, now we're talking about it, right? So right. everything is going to draw attention, I think, is good for it. So right. by the time my daughter gets there, she'll be getting paid. <laughs> well, I, expect to, I expect to see him step up as an ally for women in sports and, and pay equity. So now that he's put his... his his comments out there, do something to be supportive. You have a you have a job to do. Now that you ran your mouth, like you oh, put your, like, run like, that check, like, run the like mama did, like like the mama did. I mean, Kobe was was more than exactly. just yeah, he was active. He wasn't just talking. So, uh, and the next beef because it seems as though in this in this episode, sports one hundred and one, are we going back to the basics of of sports, but also the basics of fighting? And there's been one fight this week that I have watched. And I wish I had courtside seats because if they ever see each other in person, it's going to get real. <laughs> Russell Westbrook and Stephen A. Smith. Uh, Stephen A. Smith took Russell Westbrook's amazing night. 35 points, 21 assists, and 14 rebounds, which puts him, I think, in a class of his own. Only Wilt Chamberlain has put up numbers like that. Or, or at, Walt Frazier. Well, it was a, it was one of the greats. One of the oldest. <laughs> one of the oldest. But the fact that it's not Jordan, it's not LeBron. Like he he surpassed everyone in his generation with that with that statistical output on a night that Bradley Beal didn't play, but he put up crazy crazy numbers on that you same. You gave him an asterisk. I, I sort of did, but I, I mean, <laughs> did you just slip an asterisk into that? Okay, you know, let's go. You gonna get Russell Westbrook to punch me in my mouth too? Like, <laughs> he gonna punch and B. Brown. Uh, but but Russell Westbrook was. Well, they lowered the rims. <laughs> Yo, he was mad. Stephen A. was like, "Look, it doesn't matter because he didn't have rings." And this fight is is great, but the fight got even better because uh, Russell Westbrook's wife stepped in, who also was a a college athlete uh, at UCLA. But uh, Nina Westbrook, let me call her by name. Nina Westbrook stood by her man, uh, and they're going back and forth. Stephen A. did the right thing by not engaging Nina Westbrook and saying he respects the fact that she spoke up for her man. But this is a classic fight, and neither one of them seemed to be backing down. Russell Westbrook, uh, I don't know much about him personally, but from what I can tell, he bought that action, boss. And, <laughs> so according, and according to him, you know, uh, he won a ring by just going to the NBA. I love the story. What do you guys think about this fight? Meredith? Well, <laughs> well, I mean, first of all, you know, his wife was like, what you're not going to do is talk about my husband. He's already a champion. And so there's that, right? So I just think that, you know, that's what Stephen A. Smith does. You know, he talks about 
you know, players, you know, antagonizes them, you know, that's, that's kind of the cornerstone of who he is as a, as a sports commentator in, in his role. So I don't expect anything less for him to, you know, take an outstanding night um, of an amazing accomplishment and turn it upside down and try to find the, the small thing that he feels um, should be the, the, the magnified thing. So um, I don't, I don't expect anything less from Stephen A. Smith. That's just Stephen A being Stephen A. So he, yeah, again, he makes his money by being a hater. Um, I, you know, looking into the, the the comments of Westbrook saying he's already a champion by being in the NBA. I, I had pause when I read it, and I was like, you know, how do I feel about it? And I, and actually, I go back, I feel him, I feel him on that. You know what I mean? Like, quit trying to make it seem like I, ain't, I'm not, I'm not this because I didn't make a world championship. I've, I've already succeeded. I've already made it so far. Right. Some people are going to criticize him by saying it's not enough, and that true champion isn't going to be at that whatever. But you know what though? Russell Westbrook is is a, is a great player. I don't think he's ever going to win a championship, but that doesn't mean that he's not a great player. It doesn't mean right. that he's not it's not a great accomplishment. But I, I'm, this year seems like the year everyone wants to salt. Every time somebody achieves something, somebody wants to come right out and, and go public and be the first person to to throw salt on it and see if they can do it. You know, um, defensive player of the year. My man comes out. What he wants to salt right away. People just, what's up, man? Can you let people shine? And get a little light. Get, look, man, and and. Russell Westbrook saying his exact words were something to the effect of I was a champion when I made to NBA because I grew up on the streets. Mm-hmm. So having overcome what he overcame, he was a champion. But I don't know Russell Westbrook because that then changes the narrative when we talk GOAT. Like, you know, he's not because, in conversation. Well, he's the all-time leading triple-double guy. So he's the goat of all time of triple doubles, but that's, that's where the goat stops. Then you tie the goat to the fence and you drive away. <laughs> that's, that's what you do. It's over at that point. That's the end of it. I mean, but he's not the he's not the first, you know, um, athlete to put up numbers like that and not have a championship. So right, I mean, right, yeah. I think, uh, but but look, if you start talking about uh, Russell Westbrook, you better be ready to put up them hands. Did you see the way he dumped on that boy the other day? Oh my gosh. Yeah, he bought that action, and when he comes down, I don't know. You're right. He doesn't want to see him if nobody's around. Yeah, it was a Charlotte game. He might just dunk on you. He might just dunk on Stephen A. Smith, (laughs) (laughs) just in the middle of the street, just dunk on you, (laughs) like the kids doing school. Now that dunk was so vicious that I, I I had to make sure that I look at the date on it because I thought that was the old Russell Westbrook, like (laughs) rookie year. Uh, I didn't realize Russell Westbrook still had that level of explosion. Now his anger. Body bag. <laughs> I like how the dude when you got dunked because I was like, "What is the proper etiquette when you get dunked on?" I've never been dunked on. You just the dude jogged it off like he just jogged it off like he you like should. he thought it was the only other way. Else you do? I think <laughs> you just so what's the proper etiquette? Somebody needs to write that in there. What's what are you supposed to do? Just walk he didn't away. Know where he was. Just walk away. <laughs> <laughs> he was punch drunk. I got punched on. All yeah. right, y'all. Uh, that has been three and a possible with our amazing uh, special guest host today. Uh, Miss Mary, we're going to hop into our next segment, and that is our sports freestyle. For those of you who are with us, we ask you, like we do every week, kindly and humbly, please like, please comment, please share, tag your friend, tag your foe, tag anybody that you know. If you're listening to us in the podcast universe, please subscribe and tell a friend to subscribe too. Here we go. Sports freestyle. And you know, like my man, Big Flo said, bars. Let's get into them. All right, NCAA basketball tournament. It is officially uh, March Madness, although we are in April. We are at the height of March Madness. We have uh, final fours on both sides, the men's bracket and the women's bracket. Uh, But it started off with, you know, uh, uh, we got to give props to the first 
ever freshman to get the AP Player of the Year, Miss Paige uh, Beckers. I always mispronounce her name, but I think I got it right. Paige Beckers. I better get her name right because she is balling. And uh, UConn, man, yo, yo, like the rich keep getting rich. How they go find the first ever AP Woman of the Year freshman to win AP Woman of the Year? Like, how does UConn do that? Uh, and, and, you know, the young lady has been nothing but sensational, fun to watch. Uh, you know, congratulations to her. I'm salty. I'm hating on UConn. I'm a Notre Dame guy, so I got to hate on UConn. Um, <laughs> but me, whatever. Ivy. Shout out to Miss Paige Beckers. Well, you know, UConn has that reputation, right? They have the reputation of finding players. They have that reputation of people growing up wanting to play for UConn, just like Kobe Bryant's daughter, Gianna, God rest her soul. She wanted to be um, uh, a woman playing at um, UConn as well. So that's how they find them. They have young young ladies from little babies wanting to be part of that tradition. So I don't, I, I'm, I'm not shocked that uh, they found Gino, that player and that she won won the role. Gino Ariema is, and I probably mispronounced his name because I'm from South Florida, dog. We don't do all those <laughs> syllables. Uh, Gino Ariema, whatever his name is, uh, is the Nick Saban of women's basketball. How do you get so many high school stars to come play, knowing they're going to be on the bench. But Paige Becker said, I ain't going to be on the bench. Not only am I going to start, but I'm going to win this AP uh, player of the year. And I, I, I can't stand him. I can't stand them. I can't stand UConn. I really can't. I'm hating publicly. Um, but UConn gave me another reason to hate. Did y'all see the ending? UConn Baylor. I think Baylor got robbed. And I think the coach was very professional. But how do you not make that call? There were not one, but two fouls on the play. Both went uncalled. Questionably three. Questionably she got three. fouled on the dribble and got double foul on the shot. <laughs> so at some point, that's assault battery with the tent. Well, I don't know. You're an attorney, <laughs> right? <laughs> the tent. It gets to be too much. I mean, I think people get caught up, though. I really do. The refs, just like everybody else, they get caught up. And this is UConn, and UConn's supposed to be whatever – and they just swallow the whistle. And they say, you're going to have to dunk. Sorry, baby girl. You're going to have to dunk on her I, to do it. And that, But it's crazy. I heard someone try to defend it. First of all, let's say, <laughs> just to say, shout out to the women's side of the bracket. The ratings are skyrocketing. I know yeah. my son and I. And I think that has a lot to do with the decision makers deciding to put it on ESPN and it taking the spot. Where uh, you know it should it should be, but shout out to to the women. Do you remember what it typically is on? I think it's normally on ESPN two. Okay, got you. It was on the one while the men mm -hmm. were on TBS yeah, mm -hmm. or, or TNT or TBS. Um, so shout out to the women for getting the ratings that they so richly deserve. I've said this on this show several times. When it comes to my sons, I prefer that we watch women's basketball over men's basketball because it just it just it's better basketball. We learn better, um, but. Uh, I, 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 I would say that even more people watched uh, a robbery take place. Baylor got robbed. And for those people trying to defend it, say, well, she should have gone harder. To, she should have gone strong. She flopped. What? A, she didn't have a choice but to hit the ground. She hit her face. Yeah, I don't know if you, you, you got to see. I mean, we've all seen the highlights. What did you think about it, Meredith? You know, I do feel Baylor got robbed. I live in Connecticut, so of course people are like, oh, I can't believe you're going against UConn. But I mean, in this particular instance, you know, this was a this was a travesty, and I I feel like Baylor def definitely got robbed and should have um, became victorious in that situation.
Yeah, Baylor, Baylor, uh, I feel bad for y'all, man. Your coach really did, I think, um, remain very professional, um, but they got robbed. That, that's no other, no, other, no other way to say it, but they got robbed. Um, great game, though, and it was a win for – while it was a loss for Baylor, it was a win, it was a win for women's basketball because they absolutely, absolutely phenomenal game. Um, I don't know, man. I, I think I would have got a technical foul as a coach. If, if Might as well. Game over. Game over. <laughs> Might as well. Go, get your tech. And, and then I got fined afterwards because I would have been like, bleep, bleep, bleep. They would have to bleep off everything after the game. I thought they coach handled it well. What do you think, Flo? I think so. I mean, it, it was a foul. Um, I, I do see – we've we've seen it many times before, right? At the end of the game, they don't want – they swallow their whistle. It's just weird. It's a phenomenon with referees. You just don't know – which which one you're going to get. You're going to get a ticky-tack or whatever, but, you know, you're going up against the perennial champs. You're going up against these, you know, people, and I just think the fandom comes in, and they're like, you got to – she had to do something and score. She had to get up in there and do it. So right. it was bad. Um, I do think the Baylor coach handled it well. Um, you're right. Chair, chair throwing I don't think would have been too much. I think that would have been considered okay to me. Um but yeah, but when women do it, but when women do do that, yeah, it's not she's respected. Hysterical. So, so when, that would when probably Serena be Williams was hysterical, though, if you, you know, cheer. got into this whole thing about you know you being arrogant. So you know, as much as men can do that in sports and you know show their emotion, women are not allowed to do that. And so I think that's probably why she has some restraint because you know this was a moment for women's basketball, right? And so um, it was on this great stage for the first time. And so I'm sure she was just trying to be the consummate professional. But um, women are not allowed um, to have that same sort of emotion that men, coaches, athletes have. So um, I, I'm sure that was up in her mind as well. You make a great point. Um, I I, I would have went ballistic. Uh, LeBron James even twisted it, uh, even tweeted it was a foul. Uh, and Gino Ariema, Ariema, whatever his name is. Uh, yeah, I got the name. Call him Gino. Ariema, I think. I <laughs> It might be the Greek freaks nephew. Antikabupo, whatever. Gino Antikabupo. Yeah, he's, he's one of the other brothers. He's the fourth brother. The fourth uh, brother. <laughs> uh, but uh, he, he took issue with LeBron saying it was a foul. But I thought it was a, a very, yeah, I thought it was a very interesting exchange. Yeah, shut wow. up and dribble. Oh, wait, hold on. This is basketball. Right. Um, <laughs> you know what, though? I will say, and I'll say it again. It sucks for Baylor. It's great for women's basketball. It is. Yep. We're talking about mm -hmm. the foul. LeBron James tweeting about the foul. Who's watching? We're watching. People are going to pay attention. You know, I'm thinking, and, I, and I'll be honest, I haven't watched a lot of, I haven't watched a lot of the men's either, to be fair, because it's football season in Chicago. So now my brain is on high school football. So I've been missing a lot of the tournament, but I really can't wait to watch the final four now because of a lot of this stuff that's been happening because I'm like, all right, let me, let me turn in and let me not miss the whole thing. Right. So it sucks for Baylor, but it's great for basketball. Girl, women. And hopefully that translates into people watching the WNBA season, right? So, you know, you see what's happening and, you know, college women's basketball and hopefully people who are watching the Final Four and watching with such vigor and zest will, you know, buy that season pass for WNBA basketball and watch it this summer. Absolutely. Uh, what else is good for women's basketball is there is not one but two black head coaches in the Final Four. You got uh, Arizona and South Carolina. And I love it. I absolutely love it. Um, to see these sisters doing their thing. Dawn Staley uh, has been there before, and I loved her watching her play. Um, the only thing I don't like about seeing Dawn Staley as a coach in the Final Four is it made me feel old. Because I remember, like, I remember her career vividly. You know what I mean? You start feeling real, real old. Uh, and, you know, I think to have not one but two 
black coaches in the final four says something about opportunities for these black coaches. I love seeing it. Uh, and I think it's, uh, uh, you know, uh, Adio Barnes is the coach for uh, Arizona. And so you got these two coaches uh, that will play. Do they play one another? I got the matchup. No. I don't know if they play one another. They don't play one another. Well, South is playing Stanford. So, mm-hmm. and then Arizona's going to play uh, whatever that team is in Connecticut. And uh, what do they call them? The Fowlers. The Fowlers. The, the Cheaters. Uh, but <laughs> shout out to these sisters, man. Don Staley. Let's go, Don. I love me some Don Staley, man. Although you make me feel old, Don. You make me feel old. <laughs> uh, shout out to these sisters, man, getting to the final four. Hopefully more sisters will get opportunities. All right. We're going to hop into the men's uh, side of the bracket. Luke Garza got the AP player of the year. Uh, he better have got the AP player of the year. He got his doggone jersey retired right. during the season. During the dribble while dribbling. That's a definition. <laughs> Everything ain't got to be about race, but that one is. That's the definition of white privilege. You got your doggone jersey retired before the season. Ended. Before you even got the player of the year. They ain't gave it to you yet. And they retired the jersey. <laughs> uh, but I will say he deserved Stop hating. Stop hating. Yeah, I'm hating. I'm hating. I will say he, 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 he deserved AP player of the year, man. He had a great season. Uh, so I, I, I can't hate on him for that. Gonzaga seems to be on course for an undefeated season. Uh, I don't know if anybody can beat them. Um, and that's the only reason everyone's watching now. I know it's the only reason I watch the men's side is to see if anyone can come close to beating Gonzaga. They seem unbeatable. UCLA, that had to play in the play-in game, upset Michigan. They're one of the lowest seeds ever to make it to the Final Four. A whole bunch of storylines, a whole bunch of, of, of basketball to be played. What do you guys think about March Madness on the men's side? March Madness on the men's side is, you know, equally exciting. There's, you know, stories to be had. But, you know, as you said, you know, people are waiting to see if somebody can bring down Gonzaga. And I think that that's that's the story. Right. So we're going to watch and see what happens. I think Baylor can beat him. I think Baylor. You think so? I think so. I I like that. that, uh, And I'll mess up his name because he wears the same number of plays, just like Donovan Mitchell. But his is like. Uh, Darian is something else. It's not, it's, it starts with a D last name, Mitchell. Where's number 45 for Baylor. He's just, he's so he's like the heart and soul of that team. And he could take anybody off the dribble and you've got, you need one of those players that is just, you know, like an energizer bunny to beat a team like Gonzaga and Baylor has one in that, in, in, in D Mitchell. So I, I think Baylor can beat him. And I might just be, again, hoping that Gonzaga doesn't go undefeated because just something seemed real strange that that school out in the middle of nowhere is beating all these teams. But we shall see. Would that be the first time a team went undefeated? Uh, and, like, in the re- in modern history, yes. I don't I don't think – UCLA gave you about 10 years of undefeated. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but that was back when, you yeah. know, people people had, you know, Afros. Like, didn't didn't UNLV when they won it, didn't they go undefeated? I mean, it's still not – I, I don't think – I feel I, like it's modern, but that's still not modern. 1976, the Indiana team was the was last the team that did it. So 1976, uh, I ain't going to tell y'all – I ain't, ain't going to make y'all tell y'all age, but 1976, <laughs> I was never yet. Um, so we're going to leave it there. I wasn't even on Earth yet. Oh, they were still reading me bedtime stories, but you know, <laughs> I was here. I was here. I was here too. I, I, yeah. need, well, I need you all to stop with this Baylor talk, man, because I need Baylor to lose and I need Gonzaga to win. I finished about third in my alive. bracket. You still got a bracket alive. Everybody, you know, I stopped, I wasn't checking, right? Because I thought everybody busted, but I said, well, who picked Illinois to lose here? Who picked it? I went, I, look, I'm doing good. So as long <laughs> as Baylor loses and, you, and, and Gonzaga wins, I think I finished about second or third. Uh, Mary, did you do a bracket? I did not do a bracket. I did not. 
You did not. Okay. I did not. I, I did. Something felt wrong about it. Like the whole the schedule was all messed up, and I, I just gonna say it's just it's too many variables with COVID and teams falling out, and just 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 did that mess y'all up too? The the schedule being all weird with the days, it, it really messed me up. Mondays and so what, what are we doing? What's yeah, what are we doing? <laughs> What's and there's games on? on? I'm like, what's going on? It didn't on? even start on Thursday. It started on Friday. Why? What was wrong with Thursday? We supposed to take those two <laughs> days off and trick both those days off of work. That threw me off. Everything it was like daylight savings times a hoop or something. <laughs> they, messed up, they, they messed up our day of hooky. Thursday's been everybody's day of hooky from work forever. Yeah, from lunch, but till nothing, the end of March. Yeah, nothing can be normal in the COVID year. And yeah. in the spirit of that, even more yeah. abnormal. I mean, you know, in Florida. When you know the game is over, when when you realize the team can't come back, we used to say this thing, get your hat, your coat, and leave. Get your hat. The whole the whole gym would say it. Get your hat, your coat, and leave. In Florida, and, y'all used to say that? We used to say that. And, and I know Florida. you didn't have a hat or a coat. Or a coat. <laughs> <laughs> in South Florida. He moved down there from New York or something. And said, they just said, we'll just change. You like, can't think of nothing else to say. You know, you're you too technical. That's your problem. You know, you're dog education. Well, we used to say that. And the NCAA took it literally because as soon as Oregon State lost, right, they Amazing. told them, get your hat, your coat, and your leave. <laughs> and leave. They kicked them boys out the doggone hotel at like 1 o'clock in the morning. They didn't get back to their uh, their their campus until 4 a.m. And there are a lot of people that took issue with you know, after a loss, you could at least let them sleep through the night. They they thought it was with the late checkout. They got to get your hat, your coat, and your leave. NCAA put them boys out. But it's a COVID year. And so I think the NCAA is trying to minimize the interactions that people have, uh, unnecessary interactions that the teams are having and the players are having with one another. They defended it and said that it was a safety precaution. But, man, after a loss, 1 a.m., they told them, hey, man, y'all got to pack them back. Well, here's what happened, checkout. They were trying to recoup the money since they were – pressured into building a better weight room for the women, they had to come get some of those dollars back, right? So they said, look, okay, y'all gonna check. We're gonna get that breakfast. Hey, turn in your breakfast coupons. Okay. Get your butt up out of here, man. Go <laughs> get out of here. Yeah. All, all of a sudden now they're concerned about COVID safety. I don't buy it. Yeah, you ain't buying it. I mean, you've been around each other for the whole time. What's what's one more a couple more hours of being around me gonna get right, you COVID no. now? They I just saved, not got COVID. They saved the extra night of that stay, bruh. They had talked to the hotels. Like, look, if if we get them out there, if they get out by 1 30 a.m., don't count, don't count that night. <laughs> I know for real. What hotel gives you the credit for leaving at 1 30? You know why checking in at 2 in the morning? <laughs> yeah, hey, hey, it is what it is, right? Uh in the NCAA basketball, there was news that came out yesterday that is that is sort of a moment that you gotta stop and like, what? Roy Williams of the UNC Tar Heels is deciding to retire. I think I'm going to go ahead and just go out there first. I'm going to jump out there. I'm going to hop out there. I think this is just a sign of the times. These young boys that ran Roy up out of there. There is no getting through to these kids because AAU and, and all of the stuff that goes with basketball just messed up these kids, man. Roy Williams like, look, bro, I'm done. I can't do it no more. Roy Williams retired. Seven years old, so he definitely put in his work. Uh, he's the first, I think, ever to win over uh, 400 games at different uh, institutions. And I might have just made that stat up. If I did, don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but Roy Williams is retiring. Definitely big news in college basketball. What do you guys think about his decision to move on? 
It's good to see, you know, um, he had a good career. He goes out on, you know, I don't say on top. He, lost, he missed the tournament. But you kind of go out and, and do his thing. You know, he'll probably get in the booth somewhere and do some commentating and whatever. But why work yourself to the knuckle? I mean, you make a lot of money. You had a lot of success. You touched a lot of lives. You got a great legacy. You know, if he doesn't feel like, you know, he says he doesn't feel like he's the right man for the job anymore. I just think that the grind of being a, a basketball coach and recruiting and all the different things that come along with it, some point you just if you if you can't handle that grind anymore then it's time to go he says i am no longer yeah he won three national championships with north carolina so i mean the man did his job so now it's time for him to step back let somebody else take the reins and um we'll see what's next for him he says i'm no longer the man the right man for the job uh i happen to know it's gonna be such a name drop i just got lucky on this one i happen to know the athletic director because he he started his career at notre dame bubba cunningham and if anybody uh, knows Bubba uh, and can get this message to him, I'm available, Bubba. And I, and I like Carolina Blue. You know what I'm saying? I've been working on this 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 212 press at the AAU level. My 10-year-olds executed like none of it. And, and all I'm saying is I would take the job. So just holler at me. You know what I'm saying? And, and we didn't have to negotiate much. I'll take a lot less than Roy. You know what I'm saying? I, I you know. But just let me finish out what he was going to get. Just, right. you know what I mean? We don't need to <laughs> We don't even have to chew it up for the rest of the. <laughs> I, I realize I'm not a great candidate, so we could even start at half of that. Give me half. Of oh. We can start half. You know what I mean? You can save half that money, man. Holla at me, man. Holla at me. Uh, Roy Williams retiring off into the sunset. Hopefully, he'll be doing a lot of golf and he'll definitely be on TV. Um, but what a great career. Shout out to him, man. He touched a lot of lives. And, and according to his players, both current and former, uh, he touched lives way beyond the basketball court. So, uh, Any time that someone has been in the business for that long and influenced that many uh, lives, I, I will say uh, congrats to him. Hats off. All right. We're going to speed through now, y'all, because we go, we, we, we only halfway there. So uh, I'm going to I'm going to go touch on a few topics. NFL Pro Days uh, were this week. Uh, the NCAA was under fire. Uh, Charles Barkley basically called them the Barney Fife of uh, <laughs> Gonna call somebody Barney Fife because Did you work while you're on the clock working for them. While you, while you working for them, I love Jeez. that. I love him for that, even though he gets on my nerves sometimes. I love him for that. <laughs> that that's a here. different level of bold. Yeah. So while I am here getting paid by the NCAA, <laughs> let me just tell y'all, y'all Barney Fife. <laughs> Anybody else would have been fired, but not him. It. Straight up. <laughs> Uh, and what he was trying to say is, uh, what's the coach with uh, Nick? Uh, you should be the Nick, Mike Woodson. He was saying Mike Woodson is now going to be the coach at IU, and there was a statement saying that he's he's bringing someone else in with him, taking the head coaching job, but bringing someone else in with him to explain all the rules in the NCAA. And Charles Barkley is simply abruptly was like, "Rules, r- rules of the NCAA. Rule. <laughs> Let me just tell you, they the Barney fight. I mean, my." Like, <laughs> Charles Barkley, bro, you get a whole different level of respect out of me because somebody paying you and you straight did that's that's like now nah, we're gonna have a conversation face to face while you I'm on the clock on air getting this check. I'm gonna tell you how I really feel about you. Uh Charles mm-hmm. Barkley certainly did that. Uh and he has a point because they have mismanaged a lot of things with their decision making. Um, so shout out to Charles Barkley. Uh the the pro days. Getting ready for the NFL draft. We know that NFL Combine did not happen. They made ceremonial uh, invitations, but the because of COVID, again, crazy year, they're not doing the NFL Combine. Uh, these pro days have shown a lot of, of, of good and bad. 
Uh, let's focus just on the quarterback position. According to Dan Orlowski, um, teams are starting to back away from Justin Fields because they said that he doesn't work hard enough. That's according to one person, one source, Dan Orlowski. But his pro day, I, I mean, it was almost perfect. And you compare that to Matt Jones from Alabama, and we look at the quarterback position only, I don't know how Justin Fields is taking any flat this week because his pro day was I, I, almost perfect. I, I didn't see any flaws in his game whatsoever. In the same week that Mac Jones had a lot of flaws at his pro day, I don't know. It's, it's sort of a conundrum that we find ourselves in talking about these two quarterbacks and describing them going in different directions. How does that work? Well, I mean, pro days are important. You know, it's an important way for for coaches to get to take a look at athletes. But I mean, I don't think one day is going to really make a decision. You know, a franchise is going to make a decision whether or not they're going to take somebody. I mean, I, I think they have more um, information on those players. Is it an opportunity and a platform for them to showcase who they are and what they can do? Absolutely. But I think there's more to, you know, picking a player than um, if they misfire the ball um, at a pro day. I have a hard time when I see, uh, you know, Orlovsky come by. It's like, oh, well, the sources are saying that he doesn't have a great worth ethic, and he's not, he's dying. Real arbitrary thing. He's dying to be. He wants to be a great football player. But he's not dying to be a great quarterback. Like, what are you? Shut up. What does that even mean? He, he tried to walk it back, and and you know he retracted it a bit, but the damage was already done. The damage was done. Do you think? Don't cost somebody things? millions of dollars because you you know making an offhand comment and people are reading into that. And he could just basically say sources. Now, I know Dan, I'm name dropping again. I happen to know Dan Orlowski, and I think he does a pretty good job. But I think that if you're going to go out there and say sources and not back it up with a lot more information in a moment where he he can't be in front of the teams like a normal year in the NFL mm -hmm. combine where they can ask those specific questions in an interview, uh, it's very obvious that there, there are going to be Fewer opportunities to convince teams. And Darren Orlowski's words are going to have more power in a year like that. I just think that the, the risk-reward of making that statement, you just don't make it. Right. They're not going to pass on that boy. I'm telling you. He's going to come not. through. They're not going to pass. He's too good. Say what you want to say. You're running a 4-4 four -four in, this, in, this, in this NFL that we have right now. He, he running a what? Nine. He ran a what? A 4-4-4, four -four -four, which is that's a not, not That's not how you say it. I'm going to teach how you say oh, it. Oh, oh. Oh, four. He ran that four, four. <laughs> he ran that four, four, four. Why you get that four, four, you get paid. Get that four, yeah, four, paid. four. And he and he, he outplayed. He, he outplayed Sunshine when he played against him. I mean, yeah. somebody gonna pick him up. Don't sleep. They're gonna people gonna let all those bad rumors go out there. But come draft day, somebody gonna be like, "Thank you, I'll take this." Okay, yeah, let me I'll, get that watch. I'm glad y'all listen. I'm glad y'all listening. <laughs> uh, look, that has been the sports freestyle bars. Uh, I'm going to hop into center court. We're going to do halftime. Uh, Miss Meredith will be back. Uh, and Big Flo will be back on the other side of halftime. Let's hop right into center court. All right, y'all. Center court is brought to you by Accessory Celebration. Much more than a party. We are an experience on top of your event. Y'all know how we do it. We take the week's episode, the title, and we get a little deeper. And today's episode, the title is Sports 101. And yes, it's because we are at the 101st episode, but you know we got to get deeper. So hop on in. Here goes Center Court. Sports 101. We all remember the 101 level courses in college where we learn the basics, the fundamentals. The same is true about sports. 
I tell my eight-year-old son all the time that he can't spend all his time working on trick shots or fancy dribbling combos before he perfects the basic, boring layup and basic, boring dribbles. He's only eight, so of course he ignores my message and goes right back to half-court shots. But this in-court message is for the adults in the room. Last weekend, I went to yet another high-profile AAU basketball tournament, and I got to witness firsthand some of the worst things about youth sports. For example, the infamous 13-year-old who has thousands and thousands of social media followers. Well, he was there. And of course, the kids and the adults, they swooned over him everywhere he walked, every game he played. Then my son's team got to play against the number one rated kid in the nation for the class of 2029. Ranking 10 year olds in itself is laughable, but that's where this basketball thing has gone. For the first time ever, first time ever, this coach decided to be in seven on seven. I decided because, you know, I know some of my nine year old kids need to work on their skills. Uh, I'm a track coach, so I think kids would be better off working on speed normally, but I made the exception this year. And in my first year of a 7-on-7 coach, I've been shocked to see the culture. All-star teams with the best kids from the best youth football teams, they form these all-star teams in the 7-on-7 leagues. The kids themselves, they taunt each other after every big catch or after a big play. The kids, the coaches, and the spectators, they act like they've seen a man walk on water if they see someone get mossed. Getting mossed means that the wide receiver goes up and catches a pass over a defensive back that is in pretty good defensive position. In all these youth sports, I'm witnessing the downfall of what it means to be an athlete. Sports 101. In one of my favorite sports movies of all time, Blue Chip, there's a scene where uh, a quote is uttered, and I love it, when the mom says, a foul is not a foul unless the referee blows his whistle. Coaches, trainers, mentors, and parents, it's time to blow the whistle. Youth sports is not about rankings. Not about highlights, not about individuals. It's about the 101, the basics, the fundamentals. And by that, I don't mean the skills of the sport. I mean teamwork, sportsmanship, work ethic. The lesson the kids should be learning, but they're not. Kids won't learn those lessons without the adults in the room teaching them. It's time to get back to the basics so our young athletes learn to be leaders. Learn to be leaders in the community through their lessons in sports. Learn to be supportive friends. Learn to overcome adversity. Learn the golden rule of do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Youth sports can be the one-on-one level of these lessons. But the adults, and I say that lightly, the adults have to start adulting for this to happen and stop, stop exploiting and taking advantage of these kids.
and that's a word. All right, y'all, let's hop right in. You know how it is, uh, third quarter. We are going to get right back into it with Strictly Business. Gotta be some business uh, because sports, business, and entertainment collide here at the Ballhawk Sports Talk. Uh, the first business story has to be uh, this story in the WNBA. Uh, there is a particular young lady who's got a particular deal with Nike, uh, Sabrina Ionescu, who played at Oregon. Uh, she said that she just could not say no to Nike. Uh, but this greater than ad, which also features De'Arian Fox, I think highlights not only her skills, but highlights where uh, the business side of women's sports is going. Uh, I love this. I love the story. I love the fact that she's getting paid and has her own shoe. Uh, it's about time. What do you guys think? I mean, you know, there's no greater joy for any athlete, man or woman, to have their own shoe, right? And so for um, this young prolific athlete who's, you know, taking on everything as when she played at Oregon and now um, in the WNBA, like, I mean, this is just, this is just a, a glory story. So I'm, I'm 100% happy for her. I'm happy for where um, women's sports is going. And, um, you know, I just couldn't be more excited about it. Yep. Absolutely. As, as, as a father of a female athlete, <clears throat> excuse me, you know, it's good to see something for my you know daughter to look up to and and you know not that i want my kids to idolize athletes but you know that's what inevitably happens with youth kids and not have not have to be a male athlete right, right. to look up at a female athlete and say there's a pinnacle that i can reach and i'm not imagining she's not saying jordan when she shoots a ball she's not saying whatever she's saying a female's name somebody there, there's something to look at and i think in our generation there really was no women for you to look at unless you were in tennis or something like that there really wasn't anything to, to look forward to. So I just like to see where female sports is coming. So and I said, I said it wrong. It's not her own shoe, but she is headlining the launch itself. And uh, I think she'll be getting her shoe any day. Now I remember her in college. And speaking that into existence. Speaking yeah, into existence. Exactly. I, I remember her playing for Oregon and wonder what happened, but she got hurt. So I'm, I'm glad to see she's resurfaced and, and, and um, seems to be uh, not only uh, doing well on the court, but, from a branding and marketing standpoint, uh, helping headline the launch of this shoe. So good for her. Uh, it is one of those situations where, you know, we hear cryptocurrency, we hear all of these different things. There's this new thing out, this NFT, non-fungible token, that is now also encroaching on sports. Uh, sports business is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Uh, the NBA and the UFC champ have talked about it. NBA, because Michael Jordan is now behind this top shot and uh, UFC, uh, you've got uh, 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 Francis uh, uh, Ngannou is now in this NFT stuff. I don't know much about it, but it's amazing to see how sports business is growing bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, you know, it, it is sort of like the crypto craze. This non-fungible token stuff is now in sports. Um, I, I know enough to be dangerous about it, but uh, 300 million, I think, went into the funding for Top Shot. So when I hear that number, while I don't know much about NFT, I know 300 million means somebody believes in in funding where this is going. What do you guys think, Meredith? Well, I mean, you know, th this is all like new, right? And so I think people are 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 interested to hear more about it to see where it goes. I, I think like in Miami. The mayor is saying you can use, you know, crypto money to, you know, be able to purchase things. And it's like a new currency. Your parking tickets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, 
you know, I mean, it'll be interesting <clears throat> to see where it goes. But I mean, you have somebody like Michael Jordan um, behind something like this. Uh, people are going to take notice. Yeah. Yeah. I think it just made me realize I'm too old because <laughs> and I hate to say this, but I, I am. So I read an article about this pop shot thing or whatever. Top shot, whatever you call pop it. Shot. Yep. Top shot. But just, just like an old person, just messed the name all up. I got to do it right. <laughs> pop a shot is something we've all done. It's pop a shot. So, <laughs> so, I, so I, man, look, I said, look here, man, I'm not going to miss out. Right. I missed out on, on Bitcoin. I didn't get into Bitcoin. I'm not going to miss out on this. So I went in there. I got an account and I looked at it and I saw it. And you, you, you're buying a highlight or something. And then if you pay the highlight for it, then you can eventually sell it. And I'm like, what the hell am I looking at, man? <laughs> and I decided I was old and I just shut it down. I never went back in there. And I'm <laughs> And now this this whole like digital art thing or whatever. What, what yeah. are you doing? I, I don't do too well with regular art unless it's like, you know, if you make a, a portrait, I can tell you that's that looks like Meredith. That looks like Bobby. That's abstract. I don't do it. But now this digital thing, what if you get like a virus or something in your, in your art? What happens with that? I don't know. I, I'm too old. That's all I know. This is going to pass me by. The, the fact sorry. that you even tried means that you, 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 you're more connected than I am. Because I was like, NFT, I, I, I thought it was a new wrestling league or something. That's what it sounded <laughs> like to me. Like, they got even more wrestling. Um, but non-fungible tokens. I'm going I'm to start reading up on it, man. Because I got to know. I got to know. If the people are putting the money up like that, $305 million? That means I gotta know about it. So it might be know. like you might have to pay like fourteen hundred dollars to see uh Meredith do a layup while you deed her up, and that's it. It's yours now. You own this highlight, <clears throat> and then you could somebody later might buy it from you. But you can find the highlight on YouTube. I don't get it. Well, but that just means that it might be restricted later. Like so now that things are, now that things are going. Hmm? <laughs> Whose highlight was it to sell? Is it yours, Meredith? Is it the NBA's? Talk to me. I'm over here. I'm listening. You trying to figure it out? I get it. I don't understand. It's too much for me. I can't do it. It's gonna pass me by. I'm cool. I'm just gonna stay with the t- normal stuff. Right. <laughs> I'm just gonna buy Coca Cola and uh, Apple and all that kind of stuff. I can't. Do well, it. I'll say this for those <laughs> of you who are trying to sell highlights of the Ball Hog Sports Talk. Just give me my cut, dog. You know what I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna be like Russell Russell Westbrook. You don't you don't want to see me in the streets? You get fourteen hundred for one of these highlights. I just want my cut, dog. Just enough mm-hmm. for a loaf of bread. That's all. That's all I want. Uh, all right, man. So let's move on. Black business is coming to sports too, and I love to see it. Um, there's a group of black folk, black ownership group that's trying to get the NFL to either expand, well, probably expand. It had to be expand because uh the Raiders just left, but they're trying to get another team in Oakland. Um, the story, I guess, has to do with Oakland, but for me, there's a black group of people that have that financial wherewithal. It just seems like really cool, man. Um, just for those of you who are wondering, I happen not to be in this particular group because the way my account set up, I didn't have enough. <laughs> but, you know, I might be in the next group. And, and that's what this is about, right? It's like when we see these groups of black folk uh, in conversations about an expansion team, I think it gives us all hope. And if, if, if Big Flo, if you get this NFT investment right, you can get us in the group, man. Um, no what do you think, Big Flo? I thought, you know what, they have a little bit of a hill to climb. I think they're trying to go buy part of a stadium first, and then they're going to try to build a stadium, and then they got to lobby the NFL. But I think you got to do even number, right? Don't you have to, like, if they if they do get in the NFL, they're going to have to get another expansion team. I'm not sure how that works, but I think you – I don't know if they could do one at a time like that. But I think it, I think it's great. Um, I think now is the time because um, if they do need some some uh, some support with the NFL, I think the, they could pressure some stuff to do it. Because, you know, people don't just want to let you into the club, right? to do no. that but 
Um, you know, the city, hopefully it can be successful. You know, people just ran from the city of Oakland from uh, having a team to Vegas. So hopefully that you're, you're not picking a, a city that's not going to work for you. So I don't know. I think it'd be fantastic. You know what I mean? I'm all for expansion and see what we can do more of. Um, somebody got to play these extra games. <laughs> yep. Meredith, what do you think? Are you, first of all, I should ask, Big Flo, are you a part of the group? I'm not. I signed the NDA. <laughs> you said you got an NDA. You got an NDA. Meredith, are you part of the group? I am not. I am not part of the group. You know. So what do you think about the story anyway? No, I, I think it's a. I think it's a great time for black business. I think it's um it's about time. You know. So these are pioneers. You know, trying to do this work. And you know, you think about um the Washington team and you know the owner there. Um, being allowed to buy up all the minority shares of his team, which is you know, kind of a negative situation happening over there. So to have, um, you know, a, a, a group of uh, black folks being able to put their money on the table and try to make some things happen, I think, is you know, kind of creates the balance that's needed um, in the NFL. So um, I'm happy to see it happen and I'll be watching it. Shout out, shout out, shout out. Love it. Black business. In uh, another story that unfortunately is the wrong side of business, a financial advisor, Douglas Elston is accused of not only losing millions of dollars for clients, which happens in the market. Um, you know, people do lose money and they tell you all the time that there's no guarantees. Uh, but this dude was overcharging in management fees. His notable suckers, I mean, his notable victims um, are uh, Darren Sproles, Will Shields, Paul George. Paul George is, is, is he's starting to be, He's always on the wrong side of stories. Um, Didn't Madoff get him to <laughs> something like that? <laughs> he got for a minute. <laughs> the second time getting got him. Hey, Paul, playoff Paul. Come on, playoff Paul. Uh, but this guy, Kansas City area financial advisor, uh, I I thought we were beyond uh, athletes falling victim, but this guy is taking it to the, ne the next level. They say um, there's a sucker born every minute, so and that is <laughs> – we're not going to be done with that. Story. I just hate I hate to see these athletes on the wrong side of the story. Um, and we'll leave it there before we hop into the traffic court. But stop. Stop. It takes so much time and effort to defraud people. Like, <laughs> put all that effort into making better investment decisions. My, my goodness. Uh, whatever his name is. Douglas. Uh, anybody named Douglas. You should have known. Anybody named Douglas. You should have known. Douglas was a, 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 a apologies to anybody listening named Douglas, but you should have known. You should have checked his background a little bit better. Man named Douglas, he crooked. All right, look, y'all, let's hop into the fourth quarter uh, real quick and let's get it in. Uh, fourth quarter is traffic court. Traffic court is where we do very quickly. Um, you two counselors get to make a compelling argument. I get to judge and here we go. Let's do it. All right, NFL, 17 game season. Um, NFL is talking about how they love his players, how they're concerned with his players. I'm going to start ladies first on this one. Uh, what do you think about NFL adding a 17th game? The NFL owners unanimously approved this uh, 17 game schedule. Uh, what do you think? I'll start with you, Meredith. Is it reasonable or excessive that the NFL has 17 games now? I mean, I think it's reasonable. I mean, it's part of the CBA, right? So players knew what's coming. It's going to bring more revenue um, to to teams and to players. So, you know, they, it's going to be a question about how the off season is, is handled and, you know, they're going to be taking away one preseason game um, because they have a 20 game limit. So I, I think that it's going to be, um, I think it'll be fine. I don't think it's excessive at all. Big flow. I'm going to have to agree with uh, Meredith. It, it's reasonable. I'm going to get, again, they did give up the preseason game. Not that the preseason game was that much, but I guess they did say that there's more injuries in the preseason games than there are in the regular season games. 
it'll go um, that way. I know that there's a big argument about the records, um, but, you know, we had 12-game seasons, and they didn't do anything different when we went to 16-game seasons for for the records. So I think people like seeing records broken and making them more, and it's just more sports. Somebody's All the professional sports have so many more games than football. These right. owners got to find a way to get that bread back. In the case of the NFL having a 17th game, uh, you guys both make very compelling arguments, but I have to say as a judge this time, I disagree. I say it's excessive. You can't say that you are concerned about players' health and you add another game. You cannot say that there are other places to get that extra revenue. So I'm going to say it's excessive. Yes, the players, uh, through collective bargaining agreement, negotiated this. But if we really believe that the players have a true seat at the table when they're negotiating, uh, I, I got a bridge that I can sell you, right? But the, the 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 vast majority of the players really don't have any say-so. So I'm going to say it's excessive, but you guys make some great, great, great points. All right, uh, J.J. Reddick feels disrespected by the Pelicans front office because he was promised that if traded, he was going to be close to family. He'd be in a good situation. And he ended up instead uh, with Dallas. So <laughs> he doesn't think that indeed that they came through with the promises. I'll start with you, Big Flow. Reasonable or excessive that J.J. Reddick is feeling a bit dissed in this situation. Excessive. I mean, this is a business. If you want to be close to family, they paid you enough money that you could fly them down to Dallas and they could live with y'all down there, man. I mean, they got to send you where they're going to send you. Where you want to live and be by, you want to, you know, make sure you you see, you know, you're in New York and in certain areas, whatever. They weren't giving money for you. So what do you want me to do? Huh? You go to Dallas, you can fly home whatever you want to. You can bring them down there, buy them a crib and do whatever. It's not my problem. What do you say, Miss Meredith? I have to agree. I mean, you know, you have you're getting paid the big bucks. You know, you have to make your own personal sacrifices. If you want to be near family, bring them where you are. End of story. Uh, you guys both make very compelling arguments. In the case of J.J. Reddick feeling dissed and, and personal, you guys both say it's excessive. I got to disagree. I'm going to say it's reasonable. Why? Because here I am in the judge's seat and I get to be in this one moment in my life, a part of the whitest of whitest of white to have that level of privilege to have played for Duke to be a journeyman and always be considered uh, the, the, the the model citizen on the team, you better believe it's reasonable that he expects that he's going to be treated better than everybody. <laughs> Why not? Why not? Uh, so I'm going to say it's reasonable. This is about as white as it can be. It's the whitest thing going. And, you know, in J.J. Reddick's mind, white is right. So I'm going to say it was reasonable. All right. Uh, Phil Jackson says he was treated like Trump. Uh, when you say that, boy, that means you really you lose all sympathies. And he's playing, he played, of all people, Carmelo, Anthony. Uh, I'll start with you, Meredith. Is it a reasonable or excessive? Was Phil Jackson treated like Trump in New York? And was he right to blame Carmelo? Reasonable or excessive? <laughs> Phil Jackson was treated like Trump in New York because he didn't win. He, he didn't lead the team to victory. So you get what you get. In New York, we stand up. So if you didn't play well, you didn't coach well, then you're going to get what comes to you. And so, you know, tell them why you mad, son. You know, you upset. And that's mad? just what why it you is. Mad, huh? <laughs> you know, so it's not. a bad rapper. <laughs> nah. You say, you say it's, re, uh, so it's excessive. So what is excessive? It's excessive. What do you say, Big Flo? I think, I think in his mind, it's reasonable because he's acting like Trump now, whining, coming out here. Who's thinking about Phil Jackson right now, anyway? Why, why, who's, who called him for an interview? Was he on a bus next to somebody? What the hell? It should be social distancing. Why is he sitting out here doing this? So, but you know what? It's, it's, it's reasonable for him to, uh, to think he should be treated better because he's the greatest coach of all time and no one should ever say anything bad about him because he brought a bunch of championships to the Bulls. So if he says he was treated like Trump and it was Melo's fault, then I think it's reasonable. 
I gotta go with in the case of Phil Jackson. I got I got I gotta go with my girl Meredith on this one. I'm gonna say oh. successes. I don't care if it's is is Phil Moore, I don't care if it's Philly Blunt, I don't care if it's whatever it is. Phil Jackson, that's excessive, dog. We are judged by one thing as a coach. And I say we because you doggone right. I coach AAU, baby. So we are judged by one thing as coaches, whether you win or not. So I'm going to say it's excessive. And how dare you blame Carmelo? You knew I wasn't going to side with anybody that says anything negative about Carmelo Anthony, one of the top players of all time. And we're going to have a show on it because I've been defending Carmelo for a long time. And I'm defending him now. Phil Jackson, go somewhere. That's excessive, bruh. Um, you need to go get that back right. I'm just joking, man. Back problems are real. I'm just joking, Phil Jackson. But it is excessive. Greatest coach of all time. Yeah, yeah, greatest coach of all Yeah, maybe, maybe. Uh, but he's also the greatest whiner of all time. With this yes. Stop whining. And, 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 yeah, it's excessive. All right, U.S. men's soccer uh, was bounced. They will not be in the Olympics. And uh, I, I, I don't know, man, because this story, we talk about pay equity. This same team of hot garbage, uh, I mean, of, of men players, uh, soccer, <laughs> that was wrong. Uh, men's soccer player. Uh, now it's more of a young team when it comes to Olympics, but they have been profoundly bad on the international stage when it comes to the World Cup as well. Is it reasonable or excessive that we are just horrible when it comes to men's soccer? What do we do to get over it? They got booted early. Will not be represented in this Tokyo Olympics. Uh, what say you? I think I started with you last time, Miss Meredith. I'll start with you, Big Flo. Reasonable or excessive that we need to rethink what we do with men's soccer? I think it's reasonable that we're trash because our best athletes play football and play basketball. And I think it's reasonable. I mean, we can't have that many athletes left that's left over. I'm my family, all soccer players, and I know they're going to hate me for saying this, but the, 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 the real sports out here that people want to play out here, football and basketball, and, and the ones that's left play soccer. And then they'll probably leave the country anyway, go play for Spain if they're good anyway, or some someplace else, uh, move to Brazil when they're young to get ready. So, of course, we're going to continue to be trash. If we if we focus on soccer, we would be good on soccer, but we're never going to do that. Ms. Meredith, what say you? I agree. It's, it's reasonable. You know, that's just not our thing. You know, we can't be the top at everything. You know, we are. We have made strides um, in the United States um, and, and being part of the, you know, the fan base of soccer. And we have a lot of young people who are, you know, really interested in watching on the world stage, but that's not our game. In the case of U.S. men's soccer, is it reasonable or excessive? I'm going to say it's absolutely excessive that y'all so trash. Uh, I got to disagree with both of y'all. All this money being pumped into soccer, everywhere you look, they just throwing soccer in our face. And look, we have made strides, but the problem is we getting lapped. We made strides, but we still two laps behind. And I'm sick of it, man. Every dog on community we live in, we go to the suburbs and they tell you to start with soccer. I'm sick of it, man. Look, y'all have had too many years of dominating being the first sport in all our communities to not be making some progress. I'm going to say it's excessive. Get your stuff together. And how dare y'all get paid more than the women? Them women are are, are the, the example Church. of what soccer should be. So I'm going to say it's excessive. Okay. And somebody needs to be blamed for it. All right. Uh, Hersey Miller. Uh, uh, that's personal. He's uh, body body. He showed that he's body body. I love it. I love it. You singing Master P songs at the end. You singing Georgia in the beginning. I'm hey. I'm stressed. I love it. I love it. Uh, hey, but 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 Master P, come on, man. Be, be better with the naming. You got Percy. You got Hersey. This particular version of the Miller is Hersey, and Hersey decided to go to Tennessee State to play basketball. He had offers to play at LSU, Vanderbilt. 
and other uh, top programs, UCLA, he decided to go Tennessee State. Is that reasonable or excessive to give them credit? Because P, Dr. P, I'm calling him doctor, Master P has said that he wants to own an HBCU, which I don't know what that means. Is it reasonable or excessive that Hersey made that decision to go play for HBCU? I'll start with you, Miss Meredith. I think it's reasonable. I think, um, you know, what he's the young athlete said that, you know, he wanted to be a great and he wanted to follow the other greats who started at HBCUs and he wants to bring that kind of um, ball playing to, to the school. And I, I think it's great. I think a, a other um, young athletes should follow suit. You know, we have a lot of power um, as a black uh, female and male athletes and we can bring that power to HBCUs and take them to another level. So I'm, I'm congratulating him and his parents for making that decision. Great. What do you say? Reasonable or excessive? I'm tired of agreeing with Meredith, but I'm going to agree again because, you know, the good thing about this, too, is, is there's really not much of a risk anyway. I mean, he comes from a real successful family. He's got all the exposure he's going to need and want, and people are going to give him a look. So I think if 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 he can't take that leap, then who can? Right. right. So I think it's going to be helpful in the long run. They're going to bring some popularity there. People are going to watch and follow it. I never really knew he was a basketball player. I knew the daddy was a basketball player playing the NBA for a little while. So. Um, it's reasonable. I think it's a good move and it's, it's part of a movement. I uh, love both of you and your rationale, but I'm going to disagree with you. I'm going to say it's excessive. And I'm going to use your same rationale, Big Flo, to tell you why it's excessive, to give him so much credit. We give him too much credit because Percy Hersey and everybody else can get as much attention as they want. It's the same reason I said that primetime shouldn't get so much uh, uh, credit for what he brings to the HBCUs because it, it might just be a transient moment for him. He's going to get offered the FSU job in a few years. Same thing with Hersey. Hersey would get an NBA uh, tryout no matter if he decided to skip college altogether. Uh, so I'm going to say this is excessive to give him too much credit, but I do like the fact that he made the decision and hopefully he can make the most of it. Last topic in the traffic court before we get on out of here for the day, Bruce Arians, the head coach of the Tampa Bay Bucks. Got a Super Bowl tattoo. Uh, he got an ink. Is it reasonable or excessive as a coach to get a Super Bowl tattoo? I'll start with you, Big Flo. I'm going to go back to our last people say he bought it, bought it. I love it. I think it's awesome. This dude got a tattoo. He came out here and said, look here, man, I'm, I'm with y'all. I got a tattoo. This is a lifetime achievement, Lord. I love him now. I mean, I, I already thought he was cool the way he came up with the hats and shelf covered the little ball head he got. But now just doing this tattoo thing or the thing, just kind of come down to be a player's coach, really, because that's what a player would do is get the tattoo. I think it's fantastic. It's reasonable. You got reasonable. All right. What do you think? Is it reasonable or excessive for a coach? Got it on his face right here. Do you think it's reasonable or excessive, Meredith, that he got this Super Bowl tattoo? I think it's reasonable. You know, he made the 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 plan with his players if they won that he would do it. So I mean, you know, you're sticking with your team. It's a great victory. You're gonna have it for you know a lifetime. You can always say you're Super Bowl champ. So, you know, why not make it permanent with a tattoo? So I like it. Uh, in the case of Bruce Arians getting this tattoo, is it reasonable or excessive? I'm going to disagree with y'all again. It's excessive, man. Uh, other coaches might follow in this buffoonery. Should I go get a tattoo if we win the AAU championship? Yeah. I mean, what? I should? <laughs> yeah, People get tattoos of the stupidest things. Why not do something stupid? Ain't the dumbest thing you done done. Uh, I, do <laughs> I do love the fact that Bruce Arians is committed, but I'm going to say it's excessive because I don't want you setting a trend, man. People thinking that they go just go get tattoos, man. Bruce Arians go get a tattoo because he's getting paid. Don't think that the championship it comes with some. You ain't supposed to do nothing extra. That's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to win. 
You were supposed to win. You don't need to come with no tattoos. That is your expectation. Win games, win championships. But I do like Bruce Arians, so uh, I might give him a pass. But I'm saying it's tested this time. Look, y'all, we hey, have- Hey, before we cut it out, I just want to stop because I wanted to start the show with, I wanted to give a moment of silence, a uh, somber moment. I hate to end on a somber moment, but we lost a teammate uh, yeah. from the Notre Dame family, guy that came in with me, uh, graduated with me in Notre Dame. Leron Moore died of an aneurysm uh, tragically suddenly this week. Uh, shout out to his family. He leaves a son behind, a girlfriend, and a lot of family members. So I just want to give a shout out to him. Anybody who's listening, you know, um, yeah, Leron Moore, rest in peace. I appreciate you doing that. Let's actually do an official moment of silence for what's your what's your best LA? So LA Raw, LA Raw stayed with me after we played uh, the Orange Bowl my freshman year. He stayed with a few days with me down in South Florida um, because he loved the libraries down there. And so, no we, 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 yeah, it had to be the libraries. Uh, so he stayed a few days with me in South Florida, and we really got to know each other then. He was a fifth-year senior when I was a freshman, so he was between us in terms of his time there in um, South Bend, Indiana. Uh, last time I saw him was in Indianapolis. Really good dude. Cato! Big Cato. Big Cato. Um, big really good dude. Love Tupac. Um, and was full of life. Was a, a very good source uh, of of uh fun times at notre no dame doubt. so shout out to his family let's definitely take a, a brief but uh meaningful moment of silence for our boy leron moore fallen soldier fellow notre dame brother i know his son is an aspiring football player and um if anybody hears this uh, please uh, i'm gonna try to get in touch with his son and his family i got the information you got the information mm -hmm. all right uh, and with that, uh, it was a somber moment, but one that is important to us. And so uh, I'll, I'll say with the transition, take care of yourselves, man. Let's stay in touch with one another um, because tomorrow is not promised. And um, we'll leave it there. That has been the Ballhawk Sports Talk. Hey, Big flow, I appreciate you. Miss Meredith, our guest host for this week. Really Meredith, appreciate your bad self, Meredith. Good bad job. Self. Great job. <laughs> Meredith, two thumbs up. Um, only reason I ain't giving you a three because I ain't got three hands. You did a great job today. <laughs> Thanks for coming in the Ballhawk Sports on the Ballhawk Sports Talk and showing out today. Really appreciate you. Uh, peace out, Big Flow. Peace out, Miss Meredith. Y'all have a great week. Be safe this weekend. All right, y'all. Y'all know how it is. Every week we ask you humbly at the end. We ask you to like. We ask you to comment. We ask you to share. Tag your friend. Tag your foe. Tag anybody that you know. This has been the Ballhawk Sports Talk for this week. Sports 101 is the episode in our 101st, 101st episode of the Ballhawk Sports Talk as we pivot and go to the next 100 shows. Just remember, get back to the basics. We went back to the basics today talking about a lot of the sports Back to the basics in terms of uh, how we should 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 uh, treat our youth sports. Uh, we should be treating them as life lesson opportunities for our kids, uh, not as a meal ticket. Uh, and then back to the basics as we ended with a tribute to Leron Moore. Make sure that you reach out to one another because again, tomorrow is not promised. Uh, miss you, LA Ron. Hopefully, you are smiling down on us from heaven, listening to some some good old Tupac. Uh, uh, maybe you got to meet Tupac up there, my brother, uh, but gone way too soon. So cherish each other, my brother. Uh, and with that, we're going to get out of here. This is the Ballhawk Sports Talk with your boy, B. Brown ESQ, a.k.a. the Ballhawk, a.k.a. the Mountain South, a.k.a. Mr. Success and Celebration. 
And this has been the Sports 101 episode of the Ball Hog Sports Talk. We ask you humbly, like, comment, share, tag a friend, tag a foe. Please subscribe in the podcast space. That is the end of the show this week. We out. Peace. Thank you.